Strong Enough merch is now available. Go to strongenoughpod.com and see all the things that you can get to show your strong enough pride, as well as remind people and yourself that you are strong enough and you are worth it. Welcome to the Strong Enough Podcast, where we talk about the challenges and celebrate the triumphs of people just like you. I'm your host, Claudia. Today's guest is going to talk about how she suffered from mom guilt, people-pleasing, a lack of boundaries, and burnout. However, she has been able to heal, and now she helps other people do the same. Please help me welcome Sarah Brush. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? Hi. Great. Great. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing well, and I just want to tell you and the audience that already in the few moments that we have spent together today, you have just an amazing energy. It's very it's very bright. It's very happy. And I'm super excited for the time that we are about to spend together. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so that I'm not the only one holding the secrets here, I would love it if you would tell the audience a little about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Yeah. My name is Sarah Brush, and I am a wellness coach um, and a mother of two boys. And I, um, my first career was actually in the corporate world, and I worked um, in corporate and government actually uh, for uh, just over ten years before um, suffering from burnout, and I ended up quitting a my job as a result. Um, and I, I had just reached the point where I was, um, really struggling to take care of myself mentally and physically as well. Um, I had a lot of, um, health issues, digestive issues that I had been ignoring and, um, mental health issues that I had been (laughs) pushing down as well. And I finally uh, just got to the point where I really, um, I didn't feel like I could function well as a good employee or as a good mother. I, I just got to that point where I just felt like I couldn't pretend like I could do it all anymore. And so I shifted and resigned from my position and went deep into the process of mothering my children and getting to the root cause of my own health issues and yeah just re reigniting my relationship with myself and um learning how to take better care of myself on all levels This is probably going to be a chicken or the egg question, but do you feel like your burnout caused your physical symptoms or vice versa, or it kind of just all piled onto you together to create this one big storm of physical and emotional difficulties? Um, I, I think that the burnout really was kind of the the cause of my physical symptoms. Um I mean it 
I suppose in, in one sense, I would say that it's kind of perhaps even a contribution of like my mental health taking care of my neglecting my mental health or ignoring my mental health. And that combination along with um, just not being able to manage my stress. So I was kind of constantly in a stress response and that really started creating the physical symptoms that I just like couldn't, you know, couldn't ignore anymore. Were you also experiencing guilt as a mother? Because I know, especially as women, a lot of times, it, you know, we feel like it's our job to take care of everybody else. And so when we struggle with that, or we think we're struggling with that, it causes that additional layer of guilt. So were you experiencing that as well? Because you were struggling personally, did you feel guilty or that you weren't giving the care to your family that you should be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I, you know, when I went back to work after my first child was born, I, I mean, it was a, like the hardest thing, <laughs> like that transition. I was just not prepared for. I really had no idea what to expect. I didn't have support. I didn't, I had never like talked about it, you know, with anyone. And it was just a complete shock to my system and trying to balance the like, you know, like I'm breastfeeding and I, I'm traveling. And I like, I mean, it was just a complete and utter shit show. Like I, I felt so guilty as a mother where it was like, I had, you know, my child was, you know, and especially as he got older, like my time, it was so hard to have that balance, the work-life balance and my time with him where it was like, Oh, I got to go on a trip. Sorry. And it's so hard for, you know, young children to understand that. And, um, you know, I even, there was, you know, kind of this turning point where I think he was about two years old that I had gone on a trip and I came home and I was like, okay, I'm home. I'm so excited. And my husband is holding my child and I'm kind of shedding the layers, you know, setting down the bag, taking off the coat. And I'm like, Oh, my baby. And, you know, I reach out to take him from my husband and he, you know, kind of cringed away from me and like snuggled deeper into my husband's shoulder. And it, it just completely broke me <laughs> in that moment where I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm a failure as a mother. And like, I had immense guilt for that, like, um, and especially like that, you know, the role of like, I'm mom, I'm, you know, quote unquote, supposed to be the one that like is the solid rock, you know, or so society says, right. And here I am the one that's like, I'm traveling around and doing this and, you know, trying to do all the things. And then here's my child, like cringing, away from me, you know, because yeah, it's, it's hard. Um, and it's hard not to take that personally, you know, it's like at that point too, it's, you know, it takes a lot of work and emotional 
regulation and management and emotional maturity to be able to like, I just got rejected by my child and, you know, work through that trigger on your own without being like this, you know, this is all about me. Oh no. You know? So yeah, it's, um, yes, it was very, I had lots of feelings of guilt as a mother, um, for, yeah, not being, you know, a good enough mom. Um, and I, uh, I, you know, I will say that that definitely was a large part of the weight of the, you know, responsibility that I felt I had, like as a mom and as an employee too, that contributed a lot to my, you know, the weight of burnout as well. Another layer. So yeah. In that moment, did you just want to immediately quit your job and be there with your child or, you know, what, what did you feel like was going to be the solution in that moment other than to just probably cry or shed a tear over it? Um, yeah, I mean, in really, I guess in that moment, I, I mean, I was super, super triggered for lots of reasons as well. Like my own relationship with my mother and those sort of feelings of not being prioritized, um, you know, as a child. So I had actually a lot to work through with that. And I, I did, there certainly was a part of me that was like, Oh, fuck this. I'm out forever. Like I'm, you know, forget my job. I'm, I have to be here for my kid, you know, like immediate emergency scenario. Um, I did not quit my job right in that moment. <laughs> but I will say that I like that was a that kind of rebellious part that was like, oh my gosh, this is so not okay, was very um active from that point on um and did contribute a lot to like my decision of leaving my job, which I and and that I guess is part of like my story too is that in in my decision to leave my job yes I was very very burned out and um disengaged and overwhelmed but I um certainly had kind of I don't know let myself get convinced that there weren't any other options. Like I wasn't actually managing burnout. I definitely, that rebellious part had kind of taken over. And so I was definitely like, I just, I'm out. I got to figure something else out. It was, it was more of an impulsive sort of decision than it was well thought out and planned. Is this actually sustainable? And am I actually taking care of myself here and my family? Um, it was, yeah. <laughs> I certainly was not, you know, responsibly managing myself and my burnout when I did actually get to the point of quitting my job. It was definitely more of a takedown, unfortunately. You know, I feel like burnout is one of the phrases, much like PTSD, that gets wildly overused. You know, if somebody just has a bad moment or a bad day, they're like, oh, I'm so burned out. I'm just burned <laughs> out. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Burned out, burned out, burned out. 
And people sometimes don't really understand what it is and what it really means. So will you talk a little bit about the difference between I'm having a shit day or I'm just tired today and I am burned out. This is an emotional and physical manifestation that needs to be addressed for my long-term well-being. Yeah. Yeah. So, so really with burnout, um, the, the, the difference between like, oh, I had a shitty day or, oh, I had a stressful day and burnout is that burnout is that sustained chronic stress. So you have a long sequence, a long series of many shitty, shitty, stressful days, right? And so in, in a burnout scenario, we're, we're talking about kind of the point where you're kind of checked out. Like to the, like you, the disengagement is real. Like it's, you essentially have kind of lost a piece of like that critical thinking skills. Um, and as far as like physical, like if you're experiencing physical symptoms of chronic stress, you know, digestive issues, headaches, um, and even just, you know, overwhelming fatigue, these, you know, those sort of physical symptoms manifest over like that period of chronic stress, that period of time. And so, yeah, it really is about the duration that um, happens and contributes to like the full burnout scenario. Do you feel like our employers do enough to try and minimize burnout? Or is it something that we as individuals need to take more ownership on or all of the above? Well, I, you know, and that certainly is going to depend a lot on the organization um, for sure. I, I'll say like from my own experience for myself. And so really, so I resigned from my job um, that so 11 years ago and at that time burnout wasn't like a word that i had ever used in the context it was like you know people talked about work and life balance like it was still that that part was just kind of something that was being talked about very minimally um so burnout was not even in the vernacular like i will say that um you know, where I was working at the time when I did resign, we did have some, you know, employee um, health benefits. Like my employer did provide some support and it would be, you know, we'd have like an annual motivational speaker. Um, you know, we could, we were encouraged to take time for like physical, um, like exercise. But it, yeah, burnout was not, I don't know, widely talked about at all. And even stress management was not something that was ever talked about. My job was also very emotionally difficult. Honestly, I, in my opinion, we kind of needed like therapists or some, you know, some support and that counseling part. We had a lot of public interaction that was very difficult. Um, we really needed the mental support and that was not available. Um, and for my own part in it, I, I had 
awareness, like I had self-awareness that I was, yeah, becoming really disengaged (laughs) and I had the physical, you know, the awareness of like my physical symptoms, but I was certainly internalizing all of that as like personal failings. You know, I was being self-critical, like I had awareness of it, but I was, there was this, the judgment that was happening towards myself was actually inhibiting me from just like, whoa, I feel super shitty, overwhelmed. And instead of like, I didn't even talk to my boss who was actually a really, you know, my manager at the time was actually a really great human, you know, like I think a conversation probably, you know, like in hindsight, thinking about it, like a conversation probably would have, you know, been, I don't know, worth having, but I just, I, I had internalized it all as my fault. You know, I'm failing. I can't my, you know, and there was the comparison of like, oh, I have other employee, like coworkers who are moms, they have kids and they're fine, you know, and here I am struggling. Um, so yeah, the, I guess it is the the two part. I do think that it is very important for um, companies to talk about it, to have space, have that openness around talking about burnout. And, you know, if they want to, of course, be able to retain their employees, that needs to be something that's talked about. And um, yeah actively openly like trouble you know we troubleshoot the scenario and come up with solutions um and then of course like individually really like giving ourselves as much compassion as we can for the situation instead of just layering on that um self criticism how difficult was it for you to make that switch because you talked about comparing yourself to other employees who are also moms and, you know, who probably in your mind, well, they got their shit together. So what's wrong with me? How difficult was it for you once you got out of that situation to take that step back and realize that something was happening? You weren't the cause of it. It wasn't your fault. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, that, that really, that took me a long time. Me personally, it took me a long time. I, um, you know, because I first, I first internalized it as like, oh, I'm, I'm prioritizing my children and prioritizing myself, and I, I basically really just kind of dove into my responsibility as, you know, I'm mom now, like I'm a mother and I'm taking care of my children, and I will, yes, I'm trying to take care of myself, but that is secondary, right? So. I will like openly admit that I just kind of shifted my focus from my job to my children. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to figure this out. And I did make some, I had, I worked with a life coach and I made some lifestyle changes. Um, I made, you know, and I made some dietary changes to help with some of my issues. And I, so I did take some, you know, steps towards taking care of myself but the the full taking care of my mental health um that came a little bit later when i finally allowed myself to 
uh, work with a therapist and um, really shift my inner narrative about like, okay, this isn't all my fault. <laughs> this isn't, you know, I, I definitely needed some help in reframing some of the thoughts and the self-criticism and the self-judgment that I had. Will you talk a little bit about how shifting that narrative impacted other aspects of your life? So your relationships, your friendships, things like that. How did just that work of shifting your internal narrative have a an impact outwardly? Yeah, I mean, you know, it it did and continues to have a, a big shift, um, especially with my uh, relationships with my parents. Um, it really has helped me like empower myself <laughs> to take responsibility for my emotions and my feelings. And part of that being like without the judgment, like just allowing myself to feel my feelings without the layers of judgment that I had had. And I, yeah, it really has helped me redefine my values, my standards, and my boundaries. So yes, it uh, really, yeah, has been a very, very significant um, process for me. You mentioned boundaries, and that's a real tough one for a lot of people to set and keep boundaries, both personally and professionally. And I feel like that can sometimes lead to burnout because we want to be the person that always says yes. We want to be the person that always stays late to get the project finished or, you know, whatever that is. So how important was it for you to really start establishing boundaries for yourself with your relationships and with your work, whatever that work may be? And and how did that contribute to your overall increased happiness? Yeah. I mean, so yeah, really that it was essential. And I I mean, I went from being a person, you know, my family of origin boundaries. What what the hell are you talking about? That's not a thing. Just shut up and do what I tell you to do is, you know, the sort of like, you know, um scenario there. And so I it has been really difficult to explain boundaries to, um, you know, in some of the relationships that I have, but also very um, important and healthy and supportive for me. And yes, at at work, I absolutely struggled with boundaries. I mean, that was really kind of the biggest thing is that I was like the go-to girl. I'm like, oh, you want me to go do that? Okay, sure. I'll sign up. I'm the first in line. You know, I was like, I'm such a good girl. I'm fully on board to do whatever needed to be done. And, um, you know, and after when my first child was born, it was like that all changed, not, but it wasn't like coming from me fully. It was like, you know, when (laughs) I went to go pick up my son from daycare, it was like, I'm sitting there in this meeting with my boss, you know, and it is like five o'clock and I'm like, oh, 
fuck, I'm going to get in trouble because the daycare has warned me that if I'm late, I'm, you know, and I get there, I was like 10 minutes late and to pick up my son, you know, he's the last one there and there's one employee like holding him, everybody else is gone. And she's like, you can't like we charge, you know, and at that time they charged a dollar a minute for being late. And, and she's like, if this happens again, like you're on probation and, you know, we, we, can't, you know, like we'll have a, we'll set up a meeting and talk about if you can continue here. And so it was like, I had these boundaries that were being created by outside sources, you know, which were also like in hindsight, kind of like a good description or a good like picture of like, that was my life. It's like, I didn't have these boundaries for myself, but other businesses, other people do have these. And like, this is how the world really works well together is when, you know, people have boundaries and, and hold these, you know, spaces and, and limits that work for them. So yeah, it <laughs> de defining my, you know, values and standards and establishing boundaries that, you know, prioritize me and my family has been, you know, a massive effort, but it makes all the difference as far as like preserving, um, yeah, my mental health, my physical health, you know, all the things. Absolutely. And it's hard to do, especially if you come from a family of origin that is like, what? That's a, that's rude. What? You can't, like, you can't you say know? no. You can't say no. What? And, and you're like, uh, you know, I call myself like, you know, of course, like a, a recovering people pleaser. I, you know, appeasement was like something I was very skilled at. And so it is hard to push against that like conditioning and that learned behavior, but absolutely essential and yeah, important. That people pleasing that you just mentioned is also another really tough one for a lot of people. And it really kind of defines them at work, in personal situations. They really go out of their way to do everything they can to make everybody else happy. So how has it been for you to recover from that and learn that you can still fulfill other people, but you have to take care of yourself first? And sometimes that means saying no. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, like, it has been a relief. <laughs> it's a relief. Um, when it, when it comes down to that, it, it's, and it's almost like the permission or like the missing piece. For me, it was such an important part of the puzzle of like, why is this so hard? Why is my life so hard? Why is that? Why am I struggling so much? You know, it, it really was that significant for me. <laughs> For sure. So let's talk a little bit about wellness coaching. I would love for you to share what led you to that and why it felt so meaningful and important to you to work with other people to help them be better and happier and have better lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, in my time, like trying to figure out, um, you know, my kind of the root cause of my health issues. And, um, I 
So I went down the path of health coaching and I, you know, of course was very interested and appreciative of the, you know, lifestyle changes and some of the, you know, the importance of food and, but I also was really affected by, you know, the, the mental health aspects of, and the whole person coaching aspects of wellness coaching in that, you know, really looking at people as whole and multifaceted. It's not just like, oh, if you change your diet, your life will be just fine. You know, you can eat super clean, healthy, whatever you want to label it. Um, and still not have, you know, a life that is thriving and, um, and yeah, and still feel terrible about your life and yourself. So I really, and for me, in my experience with burnout, I really just felt like the importance of stress management and it's just something, especially with like my family of origin as well, like my experience growing up and, you know, watching my parents not be able to manage their stress and how that manifested for me as a kid and for them as they have aged, it really just, yeah, for me and my lived experience, it was like, oh my gosh, managing stress is just really what we all <laughs> what we all struggle with and what we really all have to prioritize and so um yeah that's why i went through um the health coaching program and i settled on right now i'm focusing on corporate wellness so offering workshops that help support stress management and burnout because you know i was struggling <laughs> in that corporate scenario and I needed that support. And, um, now my goal is to help, you know, folks in similar positions, just really, uh, reconnect with themselves and get more clear about their needs and their health. As you look back growing up and seeing your parents not really being able to deal with their stress, and you look forward at your children, what changes do you think that you have been able to create that will cut that generational cycle of not being able to deal with stress? How, how many good things have you brought to your kids that will continue generationally now that you have learned how to manage stress and can help others do the same? Yeah. I well, I hope a lot. I hope significant <laughs> significant changes. We do a lot of um talking about emotions. We talk about our feelings a lot, encouraging that instead of that I don't know, there really just was no dialogue in my family growing up. It's just not it just wasn't something that was ever ever talked about or accepted. Um, or acknowledged. So yes, a lot of a lot of talking about feelings, and also a lot of um, you know tools for regulating nervous systems. So we do a lot of you know deep breathing and um, 
exercising and, and talking about the importance of these things for both physical bodies, but also mental, <laughs> mental health as well. And really, I guess, I mean, my hope is really just like the openness of the communication and having the space and opportunity to, you can bring, you know, whatever you need to bring here and it's okay. We will deal with it. Trying to remove that judgment against, you know, having big feelings and having difficult conversations and um, avoiding, ignoring, you know, anything that has to do with feelings or emotions. So yeah, hopefully by, yeah, by talking more about it, it's something that my children will not struggle with as much as I did, or yeah, my parents and previous generations did. Do you feel like as a society that we are improving as well? Because we do seem to be in general, more focused on mental health, more focused on wellness. So maybe not to where we need to be, but improving. Do you feel like that's helping as well? Yeah, I do think that we, I, for me, and even just like I said, with like 11 years ago, my experience of leaving my job, you know, burnout wasn't a thing that I had any awareness as an employee and wasn't something that my employer talked about at all either. So I absolutely think that the fact that it is something that's being talked about and I do, you know, I see it. I guess, yeah, in business and also just in, you know, humans in general, it's this, there's still a stigma there with a lot of people, you know, regarding mental health, but the openness and just the willingness to talk about feelings or therapy or coaching um, in general has increased so much um, that I, yeah, I absolutely am hopeful that, yeah, I think that it's great that we seem to be moving in a more um, open direction. Yeah. What would you say would be a couple of the bigger warning signs? So if people are at work or in their work environment and, you know, this happens or that happens, what are some things they can look for? so that they don't get to the point where they're hitting the ejection button, you know, without a plan and without, you know, having thought about what they're going to do next. So what are some of those warning signs that you would have them look out for to come see somebody like you uh, to address it before they get to that worst point? Yeah. I mean, so absolutely like any sort of stress, chronic stress symptoms, um, including like mental symptoms of like, well, and of course being very self-critical and, um, yeah, really, really that narrative, the way that you talk to yourself, that if you, if you are lacking that capacity for like compassion for yourself, um, that is definitely a sign that you're putting a lot, way too much pressure on yourself. and you know, if you're noticing any sort of stress-related physical symptoms, like, or even like high levels of anxiety, 
um, you know, and headaches, digestive upsets. Yeah. Any, any sort of like physical symptoms that you can't seem to get a, a hold on to like, what, what's going on here? What's the problem? Um, I definitely would recommend checking in with yourself, talking to, um, talking to if, if your work, if your employer has resources or seeking out support, like through either a therapist or a coach or even like friends and family that can kind of, if you have supportive friends and family that you can talk to about um, your struggles, then absolutely recommend doing that. Because yeah, a lot of people wait until they're forced to do something by having a more significant or serious health issue. Um, and so, yeah, reaching out when you notice that, you know, I'm, I'm having a struggle that is last, it's becoming chronic, becoming consistent instead of just like, you know, everyone has a shitty day every once in a while, but if it is becoming more consistent and consecutive, then absolutely seek out some, some form of support. I love that you said supportive friends or family. So remember that word, don't go to your grumpy, you know, uncle Joe who thinks everybody should be able to do everything on their own and work 27 hours a day and never complain. So listen to what Sarah said, supportive. That is key. It is. Yes. <laughs> Sarah, I want to take a quick turn before I let you go. And I want to talk about tattoos because I always want to talk about tattoos. I know that you happen to have a couple tattoos. I think I might have seen one earlier, but I would love it if you would tell us a little bit about your tattoos, what inspired them and what you love about them. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, I have two tattoos, one right here on my arm. Um, and so that is a base clef. Um, and this tattoo is actually in memory of a friend. Um, he was a bass player and this was my first tattoo. Um, so yeah. And then my second tattoo is across, um, my shoulders and that is a Norwegian rose mauling design from my grandmother's jewelry box. And my sister and I both got the same tattoo together. It's our sister tattoo. Um, yeah. In honor of our grandmother and our Norwegian um, ancestry. So, yeah. Love it. Do you think there are more tattoos in the future? Um, yes, I do. Yeah. I have um, a, an idea for another one, but um, I haven't fully like designed it or planned it out yet. But yeah, I, you know, I really, I really enjoy my tattoos. They are significant um, for me and I like looking at them. <laughs> so you have to mirror a lot, right? Like you gotta, you gotta check yourself out in the mirror a lot to see the one on your back. Mm. Yeah, that one is pretty tough. That's true. I, it is um, a little tricky. And of course it's hard to see unless I'm wearing, you know, right certain cut shirt but yeah that one that one I don't see as often 
if if we may ask, do you know where your next tattoo might go? I think I'll either put it on my forearm here, my upper forearm, or um, maybe on my thigh. Okay. So, yeah, I like it. See. <laughs> nice. Well, Sarah, where can people find you? So if they want to talk to you about wellness coaching, if they want to hear a little more about burnout, or if they want to hold the mirror behind you so that you can see that tattoo on your back a little more often, where can <laughs> they find you? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, my company is called the Center and Cooperative. And we are, so we're on Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn is actually kind of our main social. Um, and then, yeah, our website is thecenteringcooperative.com. So that's where you can find me. Excellent. Sarah, you have been an absolute joy to talk to today. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your personal experiences, not only with burnout, but with mom guilt, with people pleasing, all the other stuff that you talked about that's going to be so helpful to so many others. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media so you'll never miss what's going on. Remember, until next week, you are strong enough, you are worth it. Thank you for listening to the Strong Enough Podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform by searching Strong Enough. And on YouTube, we're on the Spear Talk channel. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Strong Enough Pod. If you have suggestions for an upcoming episode or a future guest, please reach out at strongenoughpod at gmail.com. Remember, you are worth it.